Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman. Welcome back to another episode where we are going to bring you the orange today. And we are talking about containers and DevOps and how Pure is moved into that space aggressively. I've got two great guests for you today. Shilpi Srivastava, welcome. Say hello. Hey, Rob. Thank you for having me here. Great to have you here. And Raphael Lunder. Hi, Rob. Great to, uh, to be here with you here. You've got and a little Shilpi. bit of an accent, don't you? I do actually, yeah, you know, everyone reminds me that I can't really hide it even after 10 years being in the US. So yes, you know, I am indeed from France and you know, for those of you uh, who are listening from abroad, uh, just, you know, just be aware that, you know, we are a multicultural, multinational company and we have lots of folks who have this accents. very true. This is very true. I, it's, I'm just teasing. I'm having some fun with you. Um, Shilpi, you're the, the solutions marketing manager in our cloud DevOps solutions teams. What else, is, right. what else have you done before, before coming to Pure? So uh, before coming here to Pure, I worked with uh, JP Morgan, HP, at marketing for cybersecurity. I've been in the application and software space for the last um, nine years. And uh, Pure has been an exciting space, especially with all this new um, rigor around enabling containerized environments, cloud native environments and cloud. Which I'm, I can't wait to get into. And what I love is that Pure brings in people with all these diverse you know, backgrounds that we're not just you know, necessarily a bunch of storage folks that you, know, you have background in cybersecurity and now in doing the DevOps things. And Rafael, you're, you're a developer, right? You yes, actually indeed. get deep into the code and things, right? Yeah, totally. You know, uh, I started as a, uh, as a developer myself. You know, I built a startup. And I coded, you know, the first few years of uh, that uh, startup. I've coded the, uh, the the product, and then I moved into uh, marketing, specifically developer marketing. So that's what I've been doing for the last uh, three years, and I've done that for a range of companies, uh, coming from, uh, um, you know, identity management to databases, and now, you know, with pure storage, I'm I'm more DevOps oriented. But you know, it's great, as you point out, to see that we have such a diverse background and not people just coming from a storage um, uh, background and bring all that diversity into uh, into pure yeah well let's let's um, go ahead and dive in because this is a really interesting space there's there's so much going on in the application space and with ha with how applications have evolved and the excitement around containers uh, how did we get to where we are today though what has happened with the evolution of application development so as, as you said Rob application architectures and the way applications have been built has grown so much over the years. Uh, we used to see mostly monolithic applications mm. uh, tied down to hardware um, several years ago. And then we moved into virtualized applications that provided some sort of an abstraction from the store between storage and the application. And now we are seeing more of scale-out uh, applications. A lot of them are container-based. Um, Microservices-based application architectures have become very popular as People have started to develop in the cloud and want a more cloud-like private or on-premises uh, deployment as well. So Rafael, Shopi raised a good point. So why has this evolution happened? Is it really the, the advent of cloud services? Has cloud really enabled this or is it the other way around? Well, you know, you can obviously debate uh, that uh, you know, specific uh, point, but, but my perspective is clearly cloud has enabled those kinds of, um, um, of services. And um, the, idea beyond, be, the idea behind that is that originally you needed to have infrastructure on your premises to run your applications. Mm. And as cloud has enabled um, infrastructure to move out of your data center, 
the, the challenge has been for companies to uh, figure out how they could port their applications from their on-premises environment to the cloud. And, and with that, you know, containers have enabled this, that kind of portability of applications from, you know, multiple different clouds, whether they're private clouds, whether they're, you know, um, hosted clouds, at, you know, people like Rackspace, those kinds of folks, and public clouds, you know, such as, you know, AWS or, or Google or Azure. So you, you raise a good point then. And so the challenge that, you know, to summarize, the challenge companies are dealing with was that portability of applications and kind of this transition from the monolithic state or VMs and, and using on-prem hardware to the requirement or the need to really have this cloud flexibility. Yeah. Does that kind of sum it up? Yeah, and uh, yeah, kinds of sums it up. So yeah, the people are looking for the main advantages of containers, right? Portability, as uh, Rafael mentioned, and you mentioned as well. And then they are so they spin up so easily. Mm. They are lightweight, um, and that that really helps with highly scalable environments. Uh, containers apps they just scale very quickly. You can bring them up, bring them down as needed. Um, so that really compares them against VMs, which are uh, which are heavier and. Uh, not as OS efficient as uh, containers would be. Although they served a really nice purpose for for a number, and still do, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's absolutely. Just a, it's a different way. You have an you have an interesting analogy. I do. This, yeah. Right? <laughs> do your analogy. I, I love this. This is this is kind of fun. Yeah. So um, uh, in in this Docker presentation, actually, I won't take credit for this analogy. They compared VMs and containers. Um, uh, so think about about VMs as a house. So VM is a house. It comes with all of its own plumbing, its own electrical connections, um, everything. It's a self-contained entity. Um, you might be most, you probably, if you own a house, you're probably spending most of your time in your bedroom and the living room. Right. And your other two or three bedrooms are underutilized. Now, uh, containers, containers environments can be seen as apartment complexes. complexes. Each apartment would be a container. And they all share the common plumbing, common infrastructure, like you know elevators and all that. So you literally you're only paying for what you use, but you share the benefits of the entire um, the common infrastructure. And hence the idea that they're kind of lightweight. So um, I'll call on you, Rafael, is sort of the you know the technical well, voice in the room. What we talk about the common plumbing and the common aspects. What are those things that containers share? versus those that they don't? What are, what are those technical aspects? Sure, yeah, from a t- technical standpoint, they, I think what they really share is the uh, operating system, you know, which is typically uh, a Linux environment. But, you know, even though they share some common plumbing, such as, you know, uh, operating system and networking as well, they, they do have the ability to be more flexible. So for instance, to take your uh, house slash apartment complex analogy, you could have an apartment with a, um, standard fridge and you might want to have a, a an dispenser on your fridge in your other apartment right so if you buy your house you say well you buy your actually your apartment you might want to have one that has you know additional options mm-hmm. well you can have that with containers uh, you can say hey you know yes i need um, java runtime 7 on that container and in the other apartment you can have a java runtime 8 and you can run both you can run both of them on the same host so if you had a VM environment, you had to say you had to spin up another VM. So you had to spin up another VM with the same OS, and all of those um, different VMs take a lot of space. With containers, you're able to pack a lot of different applications in the same host. And on the so, VM side, there's an aspect of complexity that goes with that too, is right? With having to manage the different VM environments and the OSs versus, 
you know, the containers that have the same host. It, it seems like a simpler option. Yes, you know, and what they provide really is isolation, isolation of applications. And you can you can run multiple applications with, you know, similar but still different and potentially incompatible runtimes or specific libraries on the exact same host. And they run in isolated mode. And this is really what what containers have brought to the fold mm -hmm. um, for uh, operations teams. So the ability to really make the most of their existing investments in terms of compute and storage to run you know, uh, application efficient or cost efficient applications. And because of this, they're becoming extremely popular, right, Shelby? I mean, the, yes. the adoption is taking off. Absolutely. Container adoption, containers are officially mainstream now. Okay. They have crossed the chasm. We can which declare that. Yes, yes for uh, sure. They've right. crossed the chasm, which means that adoption has now gone from the early adopters to the mainstream adopters. And um, we see industry stats, and it's amazing to see that 72% companies are either evaluating or using containers today. Uh, and this is not just in development, where we first saw containers being used. This is also now in production. Uh, we ourselves ha have customers who are using containers for their production, um, development, all of these use cases. Talk, Rafael, a little bit about how this applies to DevOps, right? The, the whole I idea of uh, development, CI, CD, things like that. How, how containers are a huge part of that. Sure, yeah, of course they are. I mean, the DevOps movement, just to uh, just do a quick reminder, was the, the, the movement that brings together developers and operation team, operations team. And why do we have that need? The problem is that, you know, we have the blame game between dev developers and operations. Like, you know, it works in my machine, and then operations team complain that, hey, you know, yes, you know, I took your code, doesn't run, we have some issues on the servers. And, and what containers have really been able to deliver for those different different um, um, mindsets and teams is the ability to run on immutable infrastructure. So you have the same container moving from a development to a test, to a QA, to a production environment without having any change. And they run exactly the same on even they, even if they are you know slightly different containers environments, such as you know you may have a three node Kubernetes environment or a, a mini Kube environment, which is a one a single node environment in your dev in your development machine, it runs the exact same way, pretty much in your seven or ten or fifteen node uh, Kubernetes cluster in production. So that makes it very easy for developers to push their code into production very quickly because it's all immutable. And we've eliminated some of the roadblocks and challenges of the past because of that. Interesting. Yes. And that's the whole nature of immutable that you've just described there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let me bring it back around because we are pure storage and we're trying to talk about the relationship of data and data management to uh, this container technology. Simple question. Why does data storage man uh, matter when you're talking about containers? Sure, so when containers initially uh, came about, uh, they were mainly used for stateless applications, applications that don't need storage. And so we have great container orchestration tools like Kubernetes, but the use of containers um, in for stateful applications, that is still a challenge. Um, so because companies have seen the benefits of containers in the stateful apps, they want the same agility, portability benefits for their database applications, their analytics applications, and their CICD. Um, the problem is uh, there is no easy automated way in most cases to provision storage to these stateful applications. And that's where uh, automation um, uh, 
really helps because container environments, they grow very quickly, which means you need to uh, create new volumes, provision new volumes as and when the need is. And so um, that's why it, it's so relevant to us at Pure because we can help bridge that gap. We can help automate your storage provisioning, uh, abstract away the entire uh, storage layer. And that's what we've done with uh, Pure Service Orchestrator. So let's go into that. PSO, Pure Service Orchestrator, uh, all around automation of these container environments. Um, what, what does that help us do, right? How does that help us participate in, in this container world? Um, yeah, so that's exactly the challenge that I just mentioned. That's exactly what Pure Service Orchestrator is solving for. Um, it's automated, on-demand storage for your container applications. Um, so one of the things that Pure Service Orchestrator does is uh, smart provisioning. Uh, so it has a smart uh, automated provisioning logic where every time there's a persistent volume claim coming from your containerized application, uh, pure Service Orchestrator, let's just call it PSO going yeah, we'll forward. PSO yeah, it's, it's so much easier. It makes it easier, yeah. yeah. So PSO, every time there's a persistent volume claim, it's going to look at all of your deployed flash arrays, flash blade systems, that is, you know, it's uh, your file or uh, block storage systems. And uh, first of all, it will check whether you need file or block. And then it will, uh, for example, narrow down to the three flash arrays you have. Uh, but what it also does, um, which is quite a differentiator uh, for our solution, is that it will test each of your arrays for how are they doing on performance load, on capacity utilization, and also how the health of each array looks like. So you always get the best available volume on the best available array. Um, so that means uh, fewer failed uh, provisioning requests. So you mentioned earlier that these environments can start small and, and really grow. Exactly. So how and do we help with that with, from the scaling aspect? That brings us to the elastic scaling capability. Okay. So um, Pure Service Orchestrator uh, pools all your flash area and flash blade systems into a single um, storage group. Um, so it's, it's a single single pool of storage with all your flash arrays and flash systems. Um, and because it looks at all your arrays as a single system, it's super easy to add a new array, um, as easy as a single command to add a new array to that pool. Um, so yeah, we know containerized environments, uh, their requirements grow. So it's super easy to scale. Um, not only that, we also help with the transparent recovery capabilities. Um, automatic failover, it is a Kubernetes feature to, uh, uh, to, like in case your Kubernetes uh, pod fails, there'll be a new pod that will be generated. What we do on the PSO end is we make sure you have a volume, a storage volume connected to your uh, new pod. And so your application keeps running seamlessly uh, without knowing anything about a failure that happens. And really important because we talked earlier about the massive adoption of these of, of containers, which means they're being used by enterprises and they're being used now for these stateful applications mm -hmm. where mission critical uptime and availability is, is super important. Yeah. And sometimes what happens is, you know, we have these... Uh, automatic failover tools out there, but uh, sometimes what happens is Kubernetes might just think that one of your um, Kubernetes nodes, uh, it, it's, it's dead, and spin up a new one. But um, now you might have two nodes uh, pointing to the same storage volume, and they're both writing to the same storage volume just because Kubernetes thinks that a, a node is dead, which is actually not. 
The good thing about PSO is that because we control the connections on the storage um, uh, end, uh, we make sure that you never have two different connections, uh, two different applications writing storage into the same sort of volume. The split brain thing. Yeah. Right. right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have the resilience against split brain. Which again, a big differentiator um, for us. So, Rafael, to you, I know a lot of your work and time is spent. You always come back from these conferences giving me stickers, right? From 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 KubeCon. Look at your laptop. <laughs> yes, I actually have some for you. Oh, I know. I know you. that we play uh, typically yes. uh, um, metal on the on the pure podcast but i think i know that you're also a rap fan and you know I run am. ks is one of the, the yes that's right and I, I i dressed up as run dmc for halloween this year so that's, here we that's, go uh, that's i thought of you that's super fitting so talk about the work that you do within is that's is it fair to say that's a community is it i mean what how would you define that well so yeah i mean as a as a devops advocate i work with the uh, community of um Typically, pure storage users um, who already have, uh, you know, a pure array that they can play with, and you know, we we work with uh, external developers who uh, write additional libraries such as a uh, Ruby library or a Go library and some other tools around, you know, um, all of our automation and REST APIs um, well, um, modules that we provide, and um, so I work with them. And uh, what I also do is, you know, I try to to bring the, uh, the to evangelize essentially to bring the, the the good word about what we do at Pure for developers because you know we are re really a REST API um, and automation um, focused um, company as well. It's not just a storage array that you have and which is a black box. It, we have a lot of uh, endpoints that we can uh, we can leverage and that external developers can leverage. So that's what I do. And specifically these days, I also work on a CICD reference architecture um, where we're going to showcase um, pure storage with um, the pure service orchestrator in a full CICD um, template, you know, running Jenkins and um, Sonata type Nexus and uh, in GitLab as well. So that's the thing that we are working on these days. And, uh, and you know, we hope to uh, be able to release that um, pretty soon. That's fantastic, and that keeps you really busy, right? Keeps me because we're not busy. just doing things at KubeCon as well. You're you're doing things on. Uh, we're partnering with Red Hat on OpenShift, yeah. We do, yeah. So we do have uh, partnerships with uh, quite a few uh, vendors who have their own version of uh, Kubernetes specifically. So we have, you know, a partnership with uh, Red Hat. We're working on some other partnerships with, uh, you know, our longtime partners such as VMware, and uh, and you know other other folks uh, in the, in that field as well. What's the response from the developers that you talk to? Is there interest, and what's their interest in? What, 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 how do, how do they benefit? What do they see as the the benefits or the outcomes of, of something like a PSO? Um, so at KubeCon in December last year, uh, we met with a bunch of uh, not only DevOps folks, uh, developers, operations people, um, also infrastructure uh, architects and engineers. And what's most exciting for them is that now we have this uh, solution uh, which which makes, um, which can help you create a private cloud, a, a, almost a public cloud-like experience in your private cloud on-prem. So as um, uh, Rafael mentioned, we have the OpenShift uh, infrastructure mm -hmm. uh, um, reference architecture. Um, so now you can extend P PSO's container storage as a service to a platform as a service with OpenShift. Um, so that is exciting because it just adds more ease to the DevOps day-to-day. Um, um, also, this is not just something that you can implement on-premises. 
PSO works exactly the same way with our uh, with Cloud Block Store, which is our currently right. in, in beta yeah. solu- uh, solution. So that is our software in your AWS cloud. So uh, uh, Rafael spoke about the hybrid, uh, uh, sorry, the, the, the DevOps aspect mm-hmm. of CICD, moving applications from dev to production. What if you could actually have these two environments, um, for example, de- development in the cloud, where a lot of people start, but then once you have production and the data, you need to support the production. It's going to be in uh, on-premises, well, working seamlessly, right. no need to change any scripts. Uh, so that's amazing uh, from a usability, simplicity, efficiency perspective. Absolutely. Um, so say I'm a, de- I'm a developer, I want to check out PSO. Do we have some kind of demo where we can go look at the functionality? Uh, we have a Play bunch of demos. It. What do you have? Right? We have a bunch of demos. Rafael can mention some that he uh, has. He has some great blogs as well. PureStorage.com slash containers is where you can go to to find all of our demos, blogs. Uh, we have yes. white papers. And, and if you go on blog.purestorage.com, we have in the tech and trends entry in the top navigation bar, we have a cloud native entry. So you can go and find all of the cloud native specific blogs that we uh, we wrote. And we have, you know, we have a lot of uh, stuff coming uh, coming up in uh, in the next few months, obviously. And you had fun making some of those demos, right? Oh, yeah. You know, like, great fun, you know, especially working with Shilpi and uh, the whole team. Like we have a team of uh, very excited and passionate folks here at Pure uh, about containers and everything cloud native. Yeah. And, you know, as a matter of fact, you know, we also became a, uh, a CNCF member very oh, cool. recently. Yes. You know, that, that, that that's... Something that, you know, is pretty exciting to us. You know, we get to uh, partner and work with the CNCF and hear about, you know, all of the the, the latest trends that uh, the CNCF is uh, pushing forward. Um, so this is, you know, fairly uh, fairly exciting. And, you know, um, we, we're all, you know, working together to uh, to participate in that uh, in that movement. So we'll, we'll wrap here in a few minutes, but let's talk at the end now about, a, a, I guess, adoption and maybe experiences around PSO, around Pure Service Orchestrator. Oh, How's the adoption been? Any, you know, I don't want to have you mention customer names, but um, any interesting use cases or, or uh, experiences that you can share to give people some input? Sure, yeah. We're we seeing a lot of interest. More and more companies are looking to have containerized applications now. And so PSO becomes extremely relevant for, um, as I mentioned before, common use cases, databases, analytics, CICD. Um, unfortunately, I can't mention customer names right now. That's all right. That's but, all right. Uh, you know, we have this uh, a large uh, service provider who is using Postgres um, on, uh, in, in containers uh, using PSO and uh, with a pure storage backend. And because they're a service provider, they're really leveraging the, the multi-tenancy of containers by uh, by deploying Postgres on in containers, we have a large financial firm uh, who is looking at this use case. Uh, Cloud Block Store is our AWS software, which is in beta right now, and their beta use case is to have a hybrid um, test dev environment, um, leveraging both PSO on premises and PSO on Cloud Block Store in AWS. So those are a couple of uh, great examples we can think of, um, and we do have other customers uh, using. Uh, PSO for CI/CD, or you know, both uh, production applications as well as DevOps applications. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We're seeing both use cases, right? Yeah. Maybe one thing, if it was just a test dev kind of QA, you know, development thing, but um, and initially the, we I, saw a lot of just the DevOps and right, uh, right. testing, but um, 
now we are seeing more and more production. Yeah, because there's value interest. and it's robust, and, and I think that's that's a, a great thing. So with some of these um, customer successes, and you mentioned earlier that we're part of CNCF, is there is there a tie in there now as part of that community? Yeah, it's a great opportunity uh, for us to use the CNCF platform to showcase some of the success with stateful containers that we've seen uh, with our customers and also internally with our own DevOps teams. Um, so yeah, we're really looking forward to engaging more with the community, sharing more. Um, Perfect. And Rafael, any final thoughts around PSO, the work that you're doing? What are you excited about? Well, you know, one of the things that I'm excited about is having uh, Cloudbox Store go uh, go GA very yeah, yeah. soon. And uh, we'll be able to really leverage the power of Kubernetes with PSO with both your on-prem and your cloud environments. Because this is, you know, a need that lots of companies have. You know, they want to sh lift and shift some of their applications from their on-prem environments to the cloud. Or at some point, they have a burst of activity. They need to spin up some new nodes in the cloud just to, you know, sustain some uh, some burst of activity yeah, they have from the customers. Something like that. So yeah, this is right. going to be really exciting when we have that in place and we can really showcase the power of uh, of pure storage, both from a you know a simplicity and an efficiency perspective, both on prem and in the cloud. That's something that excites me a lot. Tremendous. Well, great great uh, place for us to close out. You guys mentioned earlier where to go. So for everybody listening, check out purestorage.com/containers. For uh, for more information and, and check the out the cloud native cloud native uh, uh, category on tech and trends on blog.pustore.com. Okay, cool. That's the secondary place to go. So now you all need to uh, you know where to go. Thank you both for coming on today. It was a Thanks pleasure. A lot, Rob. I learned a lot. This was a, this was a really fun and interesting topic for me. And uh, hopefully for everybody else that's listening. And as usual, thanks everybody for listening. Please subscribe, uh, tell a friend, tell a colleague as we continue to bring these episodes and try to grow the program. We will keep bringing on interesting topics like this for you. And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap for Pure Storage and Shilpi Srivastava and Rafael Wander. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back, something might be gaining on you. Thank you, Rob. Have Thank a good you. one. Thanks, guys.